$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. The moment of really realizing there was a big opportunity was when I took the Victoria's Secret bag, the pink striped bag, and looked at it and was like, I'm embarrassed to be carrying this bag, this brand. It doesn't represent who I am as a person. And I stuffed it into my backpack. And that night I went home and I told my husband, I said, I feel like I have this amazing idea because bras, no woman likes bra shopping. And certainly the brand Victoria's Secret is not resonating with like your average, what I call modern woman and nobody's doing it. And so here we had this dilemma, this, this fact, this fact. This fact. I spent almost a decade, decade researching decade. this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Welcome to Unstoppable, a podcast which shares successful founder and entrepreneur stories, like Jessica Heron, founder of Stella and Dot, tech maven Randy Zuckerberg, and Lisa Sugar, the creator of the multi-million dollar media company Pop Sugar. We dive deep into the entrepreneurial mindset, what it takes to create a scalable business, how to make an impact, the intricacies of funding, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara, and we're so excited to have our next guest on Unstoppable with Kara Golden. It's Heidi Zach, who's the founder, co-founder, and co-CEO of Third Love. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, Kara. Super excited. Heidi's a friend of mine, too, and super excited to have you here today to sort of talk a little bit about the brand. So just for the listeners, just a couple of points. So on Heidi, so... You know, I I think that the key thing to know about her, I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities in the story of Hint and sort of you, you know, doing something crazy to actually, you know, leave an industry that especially in Silicon Valley, everybody's in tech and you left that to go found a product that you really saw a problem or a category that you really saw a problem in. And um, when I think of the third love, I think it's just you've you've done a bunch on the back end and the technology side, but it's really innovating the bra and underwear 
industry into, you know, which is a hundred billion dollar global market into really doing something that is, is unique and fun. And we'll talk about your advertisements and some of your branding that you guys just did in New York. But anyway, so welcome, welcome, super excited. So, so how did you come up with the third love brand overall? Like, how did you think about, well, first, like, how did you think about this problem and why did you start it? Yeah. So I think similar to Hint in the story you tell, right, it stemmed from seeing a need in the market. And at the time I was at Google and I had to buy a bra last minute and I did what I've been doing for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, which was go to the mall down near Mountain View, not near the Google office and drove there, found myself in a Victoria's Secret and walked in there wondering what I was doing. But it was what I had always done for most of my adult life. And so went in there ended up with a bra that didn't really fit, but I settled as I usually did, kind of left. And the moment of really realizing there was a big opportunity was when I took the Victoria's Secret bag, the pink striped bag, and looked at it and was like, I'm embarrassed to be carrying this bag, this brand. It doesn't represent who I am as a person. And I stuffed it into my backpack. And that night I went home and I told my husband, I said, I feel like I have this amazing idea because bras, no woman likes bra shopping. And certainly the brand Victoria's Secret is not resonating with like your average, what I call modern woman and nobody's doing it. So let's create something. And I had this idea and that was really how it all started. And third love, like how did you use a naming agency? Did you like how I did? Wish. I, yeah, I actually don't know the. I don't know the answer to this question. Yeah, uh, no, we um, we did a lot of whiteboarding and had a lot of names on a wall, um, and did a lot of trademark, kind of looking into you know what we could get the trademark for, and came up with third love. And really, the idea was this: creating a third option. So the idea that there's a B and C cup, and we created a B and a half. There's the idea you can either have comfortable or beautiful, but you can't have both. And we did create that. This idea that, you know, creating something new, this third love um, in everything we do. And that was really how the name came about. I love it. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And you're based here in San Francisco. Right. Um, so, but as we talked briefly about, so you've, you know, obviously you're an internet-based brand and you uh, incubated it here in San Francisco, but you're nationwide. Are you outside of the U.S. yet? Or We ship internationally. It's not a huge portion of our business, um, but we actually have, four offices now. So one in San Francisco, one in Chico, California, one in Argentina, and one in Hong Kong. So we've expanded. That's awesome. So, and I saw a campaign on Instagram. So you were, you're doing a bunch in New York and the subways. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. How did you decide to pick New York as the city? And Yeah. I mean, we've actually had never done any out-of-home advertising. So this was completely brand new for us. And we really wanted to kind of take some of the learnings from our customers and come out with something new and different. And um, it actually really came about from this customer and her name was Hope. Um, She wrote wrote in a note, an email to our fit stylist, which got forwarded to me. And in the email, she said, I'm an avid Third Love customer. I love your product. Um, I'm 50 years old. I got your catalog in the mail. It's like, okay, good targeting, right? I got your catalog in the mail and I was flipping through. It's beautiful, but there's no women over the age of 30 in your catalog. And like, I'm 50. I look great. Like, where's where am I? Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Where am I represented? And she attached a photo of herself in her third love bra and she like looked great, you know? And so I think an average company, you know, how it goes, might just say, oh, thanks for the feedback, something, something, right? And so the note got forwarded to me and we basically said, let's reach out to Hope and see if she'll be a model for us and be in our next catalog. And so emailed Hope and said, will you come up to San Francisco and do a photo shoot? So she came up, we filmed her, she did video content, photography, and she's now like in emails, that's you awesome. know, on Instagram. Had she ever done anything like that? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's you know? so great. But it was awesome. And so we had her in and then that's kind of set the stage for what are we showcasing, you know, to our customers that our brand is and how can we evolve that given sort of the breadth of customers that we have at this point in terms of ethnicity, size, and life stage, right? And um, and we realized, especially with life stage, we had been missing out because we have a lot of customers in their 20s, but we have a lot in their 40s and in their 60s. It's very diverse. And so this To Each Her Own campaign, um, which came to life through subway takeovers in New York, it has about eight women showcased, and they're all real women. So we found them on the streets of Brooklyn. We did street casting. They were real women. One of one or two of them were actually randomly third love customers, but um, and one woman's in her sixties, one woman's breastfeeding her child, and it's a real diversity. How did you cast those people? Like, say, hi, we're from Third Love, and Basically. do you want to wear your bra? In like, it? would you be? Yeah, no, would you be comfortable wearing a bra and That's kind of awesome. talking about a little bit about who you are, right? Yeah. Just like, and so it was a, it's just an interesting mix of um, kind of backgrounds and um, what they were doing for a living and and all kinds of things, and so they were featured both in so the sort of the photography as well as our new commercial that we just launched. So That's it's awesome. been cool to see it come to life. Yeah. So I haven't seen the commercial yet. When is that? It's on. Um, yeah. It's nationwide, but you know, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. So. so, and the goal is really brand or is it more on the direct to, can you buy it over? Well, it's harder, right? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a branding campaign, yeah. but obviously pushing does... people into the app. To, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So I feel like you know, you talked a little bit about this with Victoria's Secret and how, you know, there were definitely perceptions, whether people talked about it, but there were perceptions of pink and sort of, you know, too sexy and, and bringing real people into this campaign with To Each Her Own. What do you think is like the, I mean, where do you think this goes around like underwear and, and just overall, like, you know, we've, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, um, probably you know, scarily in high school, it was like the Calvin Klein people. Like today, you're just not really seeing that anymore. I think people find it kind of offensive, right? It's... Well, I would say it's still all over the Mm -hmm. place. So I actually think the marketing we saw when we were younger, yeah, I always think back to the Calvin Klein, Marky Mark, Kate Moss ads, right? And and if you look today, it's the Kardashians. It's a little bit different, but sort of the same story. Yeah, sort of the same. So, I mean, the product, I mean... Calvin Klein's product is a bit more basic, meaning it's a lot of it's cotton, um, where Victoria's Secret's not. But I think the idea of selling sex is still going, you know, mm-hmm. really strong in the industry. I actually don't think it's changed as much as I would have thought over even the past few years. Um, but I think that other brands are helping to push change. You know, it's not just us. Certainly, there's a lot of other brands doing interesting things in the space. Um, but I think the big players actually haven't really changed yet. 
And so it remains to be seen sort of what what happens, I guess. But Victoria's Secret's fashion show is coming up in the next month and, you know, we'll see what they do. I think it'll be a lot of what they've done in the past. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That'll be very interesting to to see. So moving away a little bit from the brand side for a second. So the so you just opened an office in Chico. Are you guys producing or in the US or? Um, no. So we produce in Asia. The Chico office is all of our fit stylists. So mm. one of the things we learned kind of about maybe a year and a half ago is as we started scaling really quickly, we originally had all of our fit stylists, our customer service in San Francisco. And then when the business took off, we couldn't keep up with hiring and training. So we started outsourcing and we moved to the Philippines. And then about two months in, we just realized, wow, the customer service is, is not up to like our standards of what we promised to deliver to customers. Mm-hmm. And we had to pull out of the Philippines and we opened an office in Chico in legitimately three weeks and took a um, subletted a, a space downtown in Chico, hired 20, a class of 20, started training. You know, today we have um, a huge office in Chico. It's 150. We're doubling that office. Everything is in-house because the customer experience is so, so important to delivering on our promise to the customer, which is we're going to help you find something great. And that means that one-on-one interaction with somebody who really knows what they're doing. So with bras, it's confusing. So we have a very extensive training period for our fit stylists so that they are truly experts in anything a customer might reach out to. to So it's basically in-house. I mean, it's it's your in-house customer service department. That's that's great. Yeah. So because yeah. that is definitely. So have you seen your, your retention so much higher? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think customer happiness and um, just, um, you know, the MPS associated with kind of every customer interaction that we've had has gone up dramatically. So that's awesome. Yeah. So would you say that that was one of your biggest challenges and sort of like, you know, along the way? I mean, I, you know, we laugh because I, I think, uh, you know, that's always a tough question. There's always when you're starting your own company and. Yeah, I think there's always, as you know, there's always issues, um, some smaller and some bigger. I think the initial one was really figuring out manufacturing. That was sort of the first hurdle. Mm-hmm. And then the second was really, I think, figuring pro- out product market fit. So at the time, you know, call it early 20, like late 2014, we had a great bra, but nobody was really buying it. I mean, I can remember days where we would sit around the office refreshing like the the platform to see orders and there was zero orders. Like I can remember a day when we had zero orders and mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's painful, you know, as, as, as a founder of a company, when you know you have a great product and you're just like, why doesn't anybody know about it? Or why doesn't anyone want to try it? It's really hard. And that, you know, those, you know, that year of trying to figure out product market fit was probably like the hardest emotionally as well. (laughs) Yeah. To be able to, so how do you, so for somebody starting a business and sort of feeling that way, like if they're listening to you and, you know, they have those days where there's zero orders. I mean, I remember when we were starting Hint 13 years ago, like we'd get really excited when we heard the fax machine, like coming over, like there were orders coming over from like the local grocery store and we'd be like, oh my God, how big is it going to be? And we'd make bets like internally, like what, what is that? And then when we actually launched online. I mean, it was the same thing. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you in an efficient way build awareness for the brand? So I wish I could give an easy answer and I get a lot of 
founders reaching out to me sort of asking that. And I remember I did the same thing. I would talk to anybody I would meet, like, what do you do? How do you do it? Try, you know, you're trying to learn, you're trying to listen. And, you know, the hard answer is that every business is different and you're probably going to have to test 50 or 100 things until you figure something out that works. And there is no silver bullet. And if there was, every business would be successful. And as we know, you know, we all know most startups fail. And there's a reason for that because it's really, really, really hard. So I'd say the only thing I can say is that you just have to keep at it, be positive, and just keep on pushing through and trying new things. And um, hopefully at some point, one thing will work and take that one thing and really focus on it and try to do it really well and 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 grow with that one thing. Just try to find the one thing that works. Well, I think in, in your case too, it's not just, I mean, I always tell companies or entrepreneurs that come to me and say, you know, we built our store, but nobody's coming to it. And it's like, I mean, you really have to understand like how to build people to want to come, right? And that's that's like such a big thing. And I'm sure like your Google experience, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that that wasn't helpful. Yeah, I mean, definitely understanding digital marketing is important, especially especially if you have an online brand. But I think it's more about what I think a lot of people forget about is you have to be able to communicate the value to the customer of what you've actually produced. And I think people really get, can get caught up in Facebook or Instagram or influencers or this or that, or we're going to do all these things. And like, that's great. But if you don't know what your message is that resonates with your end customer and why he or she should care, then you'll never be able to sell a thing online. And in this world we live in, it's so, so busy. And you think about your email, your promotional tab in your Gmail, or um, just how much you hear or read or see on your Instagram feed or wherever, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And so you need to have a point of view where you're, why your customer cares, like what are you doing for them and yeah. why should they care? And what's that in a, a very short tagline and how do you communicate that? And I think if you can figure that out, you have a lot of potential to scale. But if you can't tell me in one sentence why I should care as a customer, you know, nobody, nobody's going to listen. It's too yeah. busy. Well, and I think it's, it's your differentiator to the Victoria's Secrets or, yeah. you know, plug some other name in there. Like, it's like, who actually knows why Victoria's Secret started? Yeah. I mean, there's very few people in our industry. Like nobody, I mean, most people, even if you have a backstory, it's not such a positive backstory like yeah. yours is where yeah. you're trying to solve that problem for yourself first and you wanted to bring you know, shed light on this to other people. So yeah. I think it's it's super cool. So everybody always asks me, and we talk a lot about this on, on Unstoppable, but like funding the business. I mean, there's always, you know, it's it's scary, right? And I know, I think you've done a really great job too in sort of building this in a way where, you know, you're still involved in the company that you didn't have uh, a group of investors that didn't have faith in you to sort of take this to the next level. Can you talk a little bit about that sort of along the way? Yeah, I think we were really lucky to have patient investors. And I think not everyone is so lucky. And I absolutely think if you're going to take outside money to start a business, you need to be really thoughtful about who your partners are mm -hmm. and what their expectations are and make sure you're aligned. Um and brands in particular, they take time to build. You, you've been doing Hint for a long time. I mean, we're six years into Third Love now. That didn't. It wasn't an overnight success. Mm -hmm. And so I think building a brand does take time. In terms of raising money, we we did both. Um, we went down the venture capital route. So you know, in total, we've raised thirty million um, over three rounds. 
um, but have been fortunate to have really awesome partners um, who, including angel investors like Lori and Goldman from the former CEO of Spanx, right? And um, Bill McComb, who used to run um, basically Kate Spade, um, Liz Claiborne, mm-hmm. right? So people who really understand retail, who understand consumers, who understand kind of how long it takes to build a brand and and are more patient with that process. Yeah, no, absolutely. So with everything that you've experienced, good and bad, what would you say is like the most important thing that you've learned along the way? Mm-hmm. Um, I think relationships matter is something hugely important. And I actually tell this to a lot of people starting out in their career. It's been so interesting to see sort of who's come in and out of circles of different things we've been doing at Third Love through our community and how everyone's tied together. And that's one thing that I think, especially earlier in my career, I didn't really think about. Every time you meet somebody, every time you work with someone, every time you're at a cocktail party, you have a moment to connect with somebody, to um, impress them, to um, do a good job. And um, especially in you know the worlds we live in, they're so small that even hiring, right? Um, it's amazing what you can learn through friends of friends about potential candidates. So I, I think the world's small, both in you know who you hire, um, who investors are, et cetera. And, and so think about that. I mean, be thoughtful about how you create and craft relationships and how you represent yourself. I think it all comes back, you know, yeah, at some point. No, definitely. And do you think in terms of building the team, like how does your team look significant, significantly different than it did when you first started? Uh, I get that question a lot too, you know, and sort of building out the team. It's like, what what do you look for when you're first starting out? And- yeah, I mean, it's totally different where we were in 2014 versus today. And I mean, again, it's the scale of the business. I mean, today we have 300 employees. In 2014, we had 10. So, I mean, you think about what the people you look like who you hire. I mean, you hire generalists. You hire people who don't mind doing 50 things a day and kind of thrive on that energy. And then as you scale as a company, most people don't necessarily scale or they just aren't happy having a more narrow focus where you used to do all of marketing and you used to do influencers and paid marketing and email marketing and content and a bazillion other things because you were the only marketer. And then when the team is 30 marketers, that's not going to be the world you live in. You're going to own a smaller area, be much deeper, um, and hopefully be more analytical and more thoughtful when you have more resources and time to spend. And look, that's not the right fit for everyone. So I think that's okay. It's okay to have people leave your company. It's not a reflection. I think it's hard as the founder, you know, in the early days, I always struggled with, oh, well, if somebody leaves, you know, is it like, did I do something? And, you know, sometimes it's just like, they need to move on in their careers and they're maybe not the right fit at, at a moment in time. And I think it's okay. I think everyone can learn at different moments. And we do have some people on the team who've been with us a really long time. Our chief creative officer was our first employee in 2012. And now she's our chief creative officer, which is pretty amazing to see how she's grown. And now she has a huge team she leads. And it's really awesome to see that. But I think it's also, to your point, it's generalists versus you know people taking on these specific um, you know, narrower focuses, but I feel like, you know, as we're growing this team too, you know, I want more managers and people that can actually, you know, do check-ins and grow, you know, teams. I'm sure you exactly. have the same thing. Like as you get people in, it's like they, 
you know, really want more and more direction. I was reading this article yesterday, actually, on millennials too, and how like the check-ins with millennials is like really, really important and how they've grown. Millennials in general have grown up in a time when, uh, you know, the check-ins, even with teachers, like they've just grown up in a way where that's really important. Like, how are you doing? And they've been taught that way. And so suddenly they get out of school and they come into, you know, work environments where uh, managers are expecting them to take on tests and just go um, versus actually these check-ins, I think, are really... Anyway, I thought it was an interesting... Yeah. And I think especially with that, it's about, you know, having that two-way conversation because not everybody works in the same way. And so whether you're a manager manager and managing teams or whether you're the person who's being managed, it's like if the person doesn't know what your expectation is or what you need, then they can't provide it. Yeah. So, you know, I think it works both ways. I mean, we really talk about making sure our managers are asking teams like, what can I do to make you more successful, Right. Like, what do you need, right? And then they should also be saying, this is what I, you know, what could help me be more effective. I think it works both ways. But yeah, always managing is not easy, as we all know. So what's next for you and Third Love? So we are, um, we, we launched this summer, we launched 25 new sizes, which brought our size total to 70. So to put that in perspective, your average bra brand has 30 sizes. So really our mission is to have a size, yeah. It's a lot of SKUs and that's, you know, not every style has all of those sizes, but we strive to, to have as many sizes per style. So yeah, we have a lot of sizes. Um, the opposite of water. <laughs> is wire, wire versus non-wire, like, is that like, it, is that a trend that, that ebbs and flows versus like? I think there's been more in the non-wired space with the idea of comfort. But again, the idea, like we don't do bralettes at Third Love. I mean, I don't think your average woman going to work can wear a bralette. Yeah. Uh, so we really focus on sort of that bra you're going to put on every day and wear, wear out in your day or, you know, to work. So um, for us, it's a smaller percent of the business. But yeah, around size, I mean, really, that's always been a focus for us to have a bra for as many women as possible. And that means size inclusivity. And I think that's something that's not discussed a ton in in today's environment. A lot of ads you see in marketing talk about inclusivity, et cetera, in terms of the images you see. But then the question becomes when you go to somebody's website or store, do they actually have product that you can wear mm-hmm. that fits you? And so that's really where we focus is size and inclusivity. So continuing to add more styles and sizes, continuing to add more sizes, um, that's big, to, big for us. We just launched cotton as a collection, which has been in the past two weeks on fire. Um, so again, just listening to customers, they were requesting cotton. So we have our first cotton bra, cotton underwear. That's been awesome. So continuing to listen to customers, add new styles um, slowly and thoughtfully and just, yeah, keep Do doing th- what we're doing. And where you get your biggest inspiration from, you know, where is it the customers or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I read a lot of our, you know, chats with customers and emails. Um, and just, I think that is, um, hearing their stories and seeing that we've been able to make them feel more comfortable, more confident, just more happy. Like I, you know, our goal is really, you shouldn't think about your bra. Like Mm -hmm. if you go throughout your day and haven't thought about your bra once, then third love's done its job well. So it's kind of the opposite of sort of being front and center. It's more actually just being behind the scenes. Yeah. So. Do you feel like I'm I'm so curious about this because I have I have four teenagers, two girls, right? And and 
and I really haven't had this discussion around like bras in particular, but I feel like if I'm wearing a brand, my kids, my girls won't touch that brand and they will never actually say that, but it's, it's like, if they see me wearing something like, I mean, God forbid in, and I, I don't do this, but if I walked into Victoria's secret and they're not actually, they don't shop at Victoria's secret either, but like they would actually immediately, you know, turn off. I mean, it's sort of like this conversation around Facebook. Facebook yeah. is for your mom. It's not for, yeah, I mean, totally, right. Facebook wouldn't want to hear this, but I mean, that is like how. Yeah. The teenagers that I know, yeah. like they're, yeah, they're know, not, they're barely and then on they Instagram, leave Instagram yeah. and then they go to Snapchat and whatever. Right. I think that the same holds true. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, for certain, for certain labels and certain brands. And so do you see that like from a recommendation standpoint? We actually see the opposite though. I think the most examples I have are slightly older. So we've seen a ton of women who are in their twenties and thirties who they're, they're recommending third love to their moms or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes it'll be the mom who's maybe, you know, however old, who's like, wow, this bra is amazing and tells her daughter about it. She tries it or the daughter is telling her mom. So we've actually a lot of multi-generational purchasing mm -hmm. um, going on, though maybe it's not as, it's not so much the younger teen market. I would say yeah. it's that kind of 20 and up market, but that's an interesting. Well, and then I remember, uh, I had this conversation with uh, the former CEO of Lululemon and they had developed this like teenage line and cause it was the same kind of thing that I would wear Lulu. And then they, like my kids were like, well, I'm not, I'm not wearing Lulu. Like they wouldn't actually say this to me. And then I brought them home this brand and I was up in Canada and they had a store up there and I brought them home the brand and I knew it was from Lulu, but I didn't tell my kids this. And they were like, oh my God, I can't wait for them to open a store here in the US. And then, um, and anyway, and so that brand grew, but then it was really interesting because they shut that brand down. Like they felt like they were building this whole brand that was focused on teens and at the end of the day, it just was like, I mean, it's expensive to build a brand, right? And so you build you build this whole other brand living inside of your brand. And is that the right, you know, thing to be doing? Because you have to go after a different market and whatever. So totally. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, the money that it takes, right, to build a brand is, yeah. is enormous. And if you have to make the brand name that much different, like it's like. Yeah, I mean, there's a few examples, I guess, where it's been successful, like J. Crew and Madewell, right, did it. There's a few, but I, there's so many failures of yeah. that that you can think yeah. of as well. So yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I mean, again, we're, yeah, not something I'm focused on at the moment yeah, for that exact really, reason. Yeah. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever want opinions on teenage girls, yes, so you can, yeah, yeah. you can come over in this direction. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what makes you unstoppable? Um, I think I have a lot of energy and determination. So I think that's something that has always been just who I am innately. I mean, I grew up doing competitive gymnastics 20 hours a week, you know? So I think I always had a lot going on and I like my life like that. Mm -hmm. So I think in some ways that idea of constantly busy, being busy is like who I am and sort of how I've managed to do a lot. And just, I think determination is if you aren't determined, you'll never succeed as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like knows not and knows not an option. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if knows not an option, then it's like, well, then let's just figure out how, how we're going to make it work. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Okay. We're going to do 10 rapid fires now. Super fast. So what's your favorite hint flavor? Um, watermelon. Yay. 
What's your favorite exercise? Peloton. I'm obsessed with my Peloton. Oh, yeah. did it this morning. Very cool. Do you have a favorite instructor? Um, I like Jen and I like um, one of the guys. I can't remember his name, yeah. but I, I actually, they're all really, they're all good. Yeah. That's awesome. What's, what's your fitness bucket list? What do you mean by that question? So uh, fitness bucket, like what do you want to do, but you haven't done yet? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think learn how to surf. I, I started to try and do this in between my first and second kid. I took a few lessons and then it's fallen off. So maybe when they get a little older, I'll have time to dedicate to like a one week surf camp in Hawaii or something. I don't know. That's super fun. It could be cool. You want to go? That's. I would love to go. <laughs> That would be that would be amazing. I yeah. would love to go do that. So mine's kite surfing. Oh uh, yeah. So That's, I, like, I mean, I've heard that looks. I watch enough. it and I just like get mesmerized by it. So just down on our beach yeah. here. So okay, what healthy habit makes you feel great about yourself? I would say working out for sure. Though I've been on this um, thirty day vegetarian kick. I'm in the middle of it. I think I'm on like day fifteen. I went to Esalen the other weekend mm-hmm. and did this vegan thing. So we'll see where that nets. But I feel pretty good about it right now. Yeah, that's awesome. You look good. Thanks. Yeah, you do. What habits sabotage your health? Lack of sleep, hundred percent. I feel the same way. Do you do catch ups where you're just like out? Um, no, I, you know, I really try to get eight hours a night, most nights. Good. That's a goal. Like generally I do pretty well unless I'm traveling and then everything falls apart. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. So I came home from Atlanta yesterday and I literally like went in my house at six 30 and I went to bed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then I woke up this morning and I'm, I'm back. Yep. So, but I do this thing where I go, 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 go. And then crash, right. crash, uh, iPhone or Android iPhone. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. So I used to have an Android, but I'm sure you did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's funny. Uh, Top three most used apps on your phone. Oh, Instagram, Gmail, and maybe good eggs. Oh, Amazon. Actually, I should say Amazon. Yeah. Uh. If you could only have one, which would it be? Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? Instagram. I love Instagram too. Although I, I like Facebook and Twitter too. So I feel like, uh, yeah. Are you on Twitter a lot or no, no, it's, it's very, I, it's too many things. Yeah. Right. And so I, I do post some, if I write a blog post or things like that, I'll post, but yeah, I'm not, I used to be on Twitter more. It's just, I can't keep up with it. Yeah. With all of it. So most recent movie you watch. I literally don't watch yeah. movies. I'd have to think about it. What movie do you want to go see? God, I don't even know. Actually, I recently, I watched the Tanya Harding movie on the airplane back from New York. It was actually, I felt really bad for her. I mean, I, I you know, you remember yeah. what happened yeah. and yeah. sort of how you thought of her. And I didn't really understand sort of how she was brought up. And it made me feel, yeah. I don't know. Terrible. I, I had a connection yeah. with her after yeah. that movie. No, I, I totally agree. I had the same kind of- You watched of, it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. And I felt like, actually what I really- felt was that there was this, um, you know, discrepancy in sort of how I viewed it and really what the overall problem is with so many athletes and particularly women's athletes, that it's the people, it's money. Yeah. No. And it's like how people are treated. And if you have the best coaches and I was a gymnast as well, and, you know, and the right uniforms and all that kind of stuff. And so I felt, you know, and she was angry. Yeah. And, you and, know, right, and, and rightfully and so. Rightfully you know. so. Yeah, and it yeah. was, um, and in spite of all of that, you know, she really came a long way, but did she sort of break along the way for, 
with a lot of other things. Yeah. So that was the thing that I saw. Uh, so I saw as well. So anyway, well, thank you so much, Heidi. This yeah. is really, really fun. It's always, whenever I do these talks too, I feel like I get to know people even more and, <laughs> you know, along the way. And, um, and definitely if there's other people that you think we should interview as well, I think it's just, you know, getting your thoughts and viewpoints out too, but then also just like, I want to just help other people really get their, you know, how, do, how do they actually get out and do things too? I, I hear back from people constantly on these um, talks that it's, that it's just like the, the little things that they pick up on are not necessarily the things that I thought were actually yeah. going to be the, the big things, but to let them know that it was like, you know, you didn't just build this company of 350 people. Yeah. Like, nope. You know, yeah. it's just like it had ebbs and flows along the way. And yeah. So anyway, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com